Crabbers in Kodiak still haven't come to an agreement with the island's canneries on prices for this year's harvest. And this weekend, the fleet voted again to continue standing down with no plans to meet again until they get a better offer from processors. KMXT's Kirsten Dobrith has this update on what comes next. The boat harbors in Kodiak are still full, nearly two weeks after the area's tanner crab season was set to begin. Kodiak's fleet voted down an offer from local processors for $3.25 per pound for tanners on Friday. Canneries had initially offered $2.50 per pound ahead of the season. And Sunday night, crabbers voted to press pause on the season altogether until they get a price from canneries they think is fair. Kevin Abina is the secretary and treasurer for the Kodiak Crab Alliance Cooperative, which represents permit holders in the fishery. We all thought we were going to be fishing, but we all understand why we aren't fishing. So we're just... uh we're just waiting. However, crabbers in Chignik and the South Peninsula have started fishing. That fleet is about half the size of Kodiak's Tanner fleet at 65 registered vessels. They came to an agreement with processors in King Cove for $3.25 per pound, plus profit sharing, which bumps up the final payout to fishermen depending on the wholesale price of the crab. But that's a sticking point for crabbers in Kodiak. They haven't been offered profit sharing or more than $3.25 per pound from local canneries and say the flat rate still isn't enough to go fishing. Nearly 130 vessels are registered for Kodiak's tanner crab fishery, which has the bulk of this year's harvest, too. Abina says Kodiak's fleet has continued to stay united in their resolve to hold out for a better price. Honestly, across the country in the fishing industries, it's so hard to to keep something like this together. I think it only happens when, when, uh, when such a bad initial price is, is started out with from processors and in our situation from four separate processors. Kodiak processors have not commented on the ongoing price dispute. Abina and his crew and others in the fleet have started preparing for other seasons that have either already started or will start soon. He says some will head out for cod season, which started at the beginning of the year, but tanners are still the top priority. They 100% have the mentality that as soon as they get word that we're going to settle on something, that they are going to stack their gear on, bring it back to town and put the other pots on and, and go out uh, tanner crabbing. Kodiak's tanner crab fishery closes at the end of March. Meantime, Abina says the crabs aren't going anywhere before then. In Kodiak, I'm Kirsten Dobrath. A group of bulldozers sit in the muskeg besides Hammer and Wecon, the biggest grocery store in Petersburg. They're on the edge of a giant hole that's been there for a few months. I dug in to find out what the store is planning. A deep crater has been collecting rain behind Hammer and Wecon, the biggest grocery store in Petersburg. Jim Floyd, the store's CEO, plans to install additional storage space there to patch up a different type of hole, one in Petersburg's supply chain. But Floyd says progress on the pit is the pits. Days after the business broke ground on the storage project in October, there was a major landslide. The project's construction team had to pivot and help clear debris from Mitkoff Highway so utilities could be restored. Then came snow, rain, 
supply chain issues for construction supplies, and now frozen ground, which makes it hard to dig. But Floyd is hopeful that construction will start again with the spring thaw. I joined Floyd on a tour of the work site and spoke to him about the planned expansion. So this is the back stock room of the grocery store. The stock rooms are stacked with crates of produce, dairy products, even frozen breads. Some stacks nearly touch the ceiling. Floyd is worried that the available space won't keep Petersburg fed forever. And the challenge that we have right now is that um, even though we have some space up here in the steel, um, is that we don't have adequate space to house the merchandise that we have to build to handle week to week to week. Where we suffer the most is refrigeration, freezer space, and dry storage. What is your timeline for the expansion? I'm hoping by spring. Right now, unfortunately, just because of the frozen earth, I can't do any work on it. Um, I am going through the permit process. I already have the engineer's drawing, so it's just a matter of getting that process done. Is Hammer and Wecon prepared to meet the community's needs? So honestly, that's been my goal. We did a good job during the pandemic of being able to have stuff on hand. The one area that we would have the most problem with would be dairy. Dairy has really short code dates and stuff like that. Uh, produce, obviously, um, you know, only will last so long. We should definitely be prepared. That is the reason why we're having to expand, is because right now our storage space is not adequate. It's not a matter of just being shorted because of supply chain issues. It's also the fact that we don't have storage space, and that is why I'm uh, currently in the process of doing this. Are there any other players in, in the game in Petersburg, or is Hammer and Wecon peerless? Yes, there is another place. Uh, obviously, Trading Union does sell groceries and stuff. I am just going forward as if we are the main supplier because we are significantly larger than them. They only get one delivery week, so we have to be the primary provider, and that's the way I look at it. With the situation you guys are in presently, you know, so experiencing seasons of higher demand and you're trying to prepare for that, does the situation drive how you price the items you have for sale at the moment? That's not how it works. It's a margin, a strict margin. We've had the same margin for years, so it's a cost, shipping, and that's that's how we factor our margin. It's not a supply and demand issue on our part. It's a supply and demand issue on the manufacturer and the vendor. And we do not um, put an additional charge on our end, if that makes sense. And just realize that the employees, you know, they work really hard. And we've been shorthanded for quite a while. And I just ask a little patience because we are running into some severe shortages on products. Like, for example, uh, everybody's well aware of the egg shortage. We were just informed that our chicken load got cut. Uh, produce. There's lots of weather issues going down in California right now that's going to su- affect our supply chain. And so it's not the employees' fault. We're, they're working endlessly trying to get product, and they do a good job. And so there's a lot of things that are just out of our hands. That was Jim Floyd, general manager and CEO of Hammer and Wecon, updating KFSK on the store's expansion. Thinget master carver Wayne Price is returning to the University of Alaska Southeast as part of its Northwest Coast Arts Program. You know, the attention being paid to all branches of Northwest Coast Native Art is really feel the support out here at UAS.
Starting today, Price will begin teaching carving courses and formline design classes. Both art forms have beginning, intermediate, and advanced curriculums, but some of the classes are combined. Price says the formline class is intensive. In my formline class, they were sweating. It seems they were trying so hard. Price says he only found out last week that he would begin teaching this term, but he thinks his classes will fill up fast. Students in the beginning carving class will be making paddles, while intermediate and advanced students can choose their projects.、Mm, they have the benefit of an artist who's got 50 years of Northwest Coast art under my belt, and I bring that all to. Here to the University of Alaska at Auk, and、uh, um, let's go make some artwork. Price has taught at UAS before. Since then, he has carved out dugout canoes or yak with high schoolers across Southeast Alaska. Most recently, he unveiled a healing totem at Twin Lakes in Juneau. It was convinced.、Uh, it was commissioned to remember missing and murdered Indigenous women. Price lives in Haines with his wife, but he moved to Juneau for the semester. He said he doesn't yet know if he'll teach in the fall. I'm just taking it one semester at a time, and we'll see, see how it goes. A UAS spokesperson said that anyone interested in taking one of Price's classes can call the registrar's office to ask if there is space. Congresswoman Mary Peltola says she's not exactly sure why her online biography shows she attended a Colorado university a year longer than she did. Well, it's really embarrassing, and I think it's. Probably my error. Her congressional biography page shows she attended University of Northern Colorado from 1991 until 1994. So does her biography on the website of the Alaska Legislature, where she served for a decade. But the university says she left in spring 1993. The description. The discrepancy came to light last week because USA Today decided to see if other freshman Congress members lied about their educational background the way New York Congressman George Santos did. The USA Today reporters found that one Congress member who didn't accurately describe his graduate degree, and they found Peltola's date discrepancy. Her case is unlike that of Santos. For one, she never pretended to have a college degree, but she says when you're in the public eye, every part of your life is examined. And I think that's fine. That's as it should be. If you're in public service, that is the cost of service. Peltola says she assumes she relied on memory and misreported the date back in the 1990s for the Alaska Legislature bio. Then she and others continued to rely on that information. This is Shelby Herbert. Thank you so much for joining me for Midday Magazine.